Dr. Levine, we we don't know how to do openings anymore. How do we do openings? What are you, what are your thoughts on what we should do? We tried shock jocking it last week, and <laughs> we did try shock jocking it. I, I have <laughs> a not very scientific suggestion that comes okay. from my friend's podcast. Okay, now I'm gonna pitch my friend's podcast. Humble brag, uh, friends. <laughs> friends. <laughs> so my friend friends. runs a, a Pokemon podcast called Experience Share, and they have two mm. hosts, host and co-host kind of thing. And sometimes they bring on a third person. Um, throughout the season, they bring on guests. So it's always kind of the same structure of one of them introduces, I'm so-and-so, and here's my co-host, co-host so-and-so, and today we have so-and-so, and then so-and-so usually tries to say hi, and the, mm-hmm. it's awkward because that's always awkward, and yep. then they just go into it, and they just Band-aid kind of off. like what we're or, doing right yeah, now. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just band it off. Oh, so, so really, really, the, the suggestion here is do nothing. Do nothing. Yes. I do, do exactly what you've always done. It's, yes. It's perfect. Um, Just band it yeah. off. Start the show. I don't know. I really liked the shot jock stuff last week. I, I, thought that I, was I really will fun. say, within the most love and respect to you, Michael, I, I think uh, that I like shock jock better than I like band aid off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Mind Sculptors. Um. Okay. Here's here's here, in lieu of Michael being on the show and, and okay. Michael being our like innovator of like flashy Liad, right? Okay. I say okay. we flash in the intro at a place where it's not supposed to be, right? So oh, like, that's we're, we're, perfect. <laughs> that is perfect. Very good. We need to do it on somebody's end step. It's yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Like we're right on we're top of to somebody's get- point. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I was gonna say, Ray, as we're about to get to a really good point, just be like, <laughs> so what you're saying is we need to, so we need to like, ins- not, but we need to like tenant this. So yeah, where yeah, like yeah. the beginning of the the show is actually like mm-hmm. in the middle of the show somewhere. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, yes. so, so right now I would be like, hey everyone. Thanks for watching this episode of the Mind Sculptors. While you're here, make sure to hit like and subscribe and check out our Patreon where you can get some really cool perks like our Patreon exclusive Discord. But that would be the end of the episode, right? And this is where we start fucking with them. This is all about time again. We're back yeah. on the <laughs> fucking yeah, it, time. It, is this just a Doctor Who episode? What's going on? <laughs> We've had, so this keeps happening. <laughs> <laughs> we keep turning fucking episodes of the Mind Sculptors into time-based humor, and I don't know why. <laughs> I'm a big Doctor Who fan. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I, I think I think Sam is right when yeah. Sam said that we should have named ourselves after Teferi. And honestly, I think that he yeah, was just yeah. right. Yeah. Like it just in retrospect. The time revelers. Really yeah. The time Ooh. revelers. <laughs> I I do also really like the idea that when we finally get to the the uh, the spoilers for Commander or the um the Doctor Who Commander decks, we should just like make no time jokes the whole time. Just like oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're like ah uh, yes this is a time lord good yes <laughs> yes this is uh it's such a such a refined magic card oh my god uh ian as an ambassador yeah. do you have any opinions on universes beyond oh my god oh, no. <laughs> i've already made my opinions clear on twitter i think it's a fine product and we're gonna get used to it so that's yeah yep. i like I, it. i'm not gonna lie i'm really excited about the final fantasy one Final Fantasy one really got me. Oh, I, I literally um, was at Gen Con when they spoiled the Fallout thing, and I squeed like a little fucking pig. I was like, <laughs> like fucking, I just I think Fallout. all of them are going to be fine. Yeah, I don't right, really yeah. understand the problem. Is anyone offended that they have to cast the One Ring? Really? I think uh, I think there was a point where like it was like once again Fortnite and Transformers were like the ones that I was like, oh come on, like really? And then 
I just fucking got over it. I, it really did. I just the, like, the the ones for me were God. Walking Dead and Stranger Things, where I was like, "This is like, yeah, bizarre." Like Fortnite and Transformers to me, I could like wrap my head around it because I was like, "All right, it's gaming. I get it." Sure, but like Walking sure. Dead specifically, I yeah. was like, "This show has been irrelevant for like <laughs> a while." It was like. Yeah. <laughs> It was weird that they did it with the timing, yeah. Yeah, Like, it was, like, bizarre with the timing. Stranger Things was fine. I just, like, don't like that show that much. You cannot enjoy an IP. That being said, like, like last night, my friend's son came over. He's 16. He wanted to play Magic because he doesn't get to play that much Magic anymore. Mm -hmm. I was teaching him to play Legacy because that's what you do with a kid who only played casual Commander. You know, right. yeah, you teach um, them to play one of the most complicated formats in the, but he, in the game. But he yeah. hadn't seen any of the Lord of the Rings cards yet, and he really likes Lord of the Rings. And he was like so pumped about the Lord of the Rings yeah. cards. And yeah. then he starts going about how he really wants to collect all the Transformers cards. So I start telling him about the new ones that are coming out. And when I said like Final Fantasy, he was so pumped. When I said that there was a cowboy set, he was so pumped. Oh, dude, were- you don't understand. When when Jace the cowboy drops, it's gonna be my entire personality. But, but that's the thing. If you're okay with Jace the cowboy, like we could have yeah. some other IP that is a cowboy thing, just yeah. as easily. Yeah, they're they're cowboys, and and new players get really excited about this. And he was so pumped. And when I played, because I let him play uh, Dothy Helm, and I have Palantir in that deck right now. Mm-hmm. And who was pumped about playing Palantir? He was. Because he yeah, knows what it awesome. is. He's read the books. He started telling me lore about Palantir when he was casting it. That's like, awesome. that's what they want. That's what they're trying to do. So, yeah. I don't know. That's... Everyone's a little too bothered by it. Yeah. Stop being hot and bothered. This is this is something. I, I need to remember who this quote was from. But I saw this. I, I want to say it was on hot TikTok. and bothered was the problem, to be clear. <laughs> I don't think they're just being too turned on by the product. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but God, just wait. So who knows what's coming right next? Now. That's. <laughs> no it, 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 i heard a quote uh, i can't remember if this was on tiktok or on our podcast where i heard mm-hmm. this, but it was basically like the order of operations on if i'm going to put energy into something is like will this stop me from doing my job yes or no no mm-hmm. okay then if it's no will this stop or if it's yes or if it's no then i don't care about it if it's yes how is it going to stop me from doing my job? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go from there and it's like, will it stop me from being able to make my money? And it's like, yes or no. And it's like, okay, then you just go through the thing. And it's just like a order of operations on like where things fall in your priority list. And I yeah. just, just was like, I really needed that. Cause it was like, social media is like one of those things where it's just, it's so easy to, you know, I've get never fallen in it yeah. where yeah. I just, you know, get, whipped up into a frenzy and go on a tirade i'd never do that cal no um, never, never you come on um <laughs> <laughs> oh, i passed the quota of being uh convincing <laughs> you, you did the you did the thing uh but okay so michael is here with us today uh because jesus was this two years ago now i think it was almost two uh, years ago that we first taught people how to play stacks no one knew before that video yeah nobody knew how to play how we basically invented it i don't even know if i was a mind sculptor at this point before the how to play one uh you might not have been yeah that's that's how long ago that was (laughs) it was it was a long time ago yeah um 
So a long, long time ago in a galaxy right. far, far away. How to play stacks. Wow. This is not the energy that we're coming into today with. <laughs> Electric boogaloo. This is much higher energy than a stacks match. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so what we're doing is we're coming through and we're just kind of kind of updating that how to play uh, bit, bit, episode, bit, formula, whatever, um, updating some of the philosophy. So, so you have, you have like these these textbooks, right? Like you're a man of science. I, you have these, I am. You have these textbooks and, you know, every now and again, the textbook, they have to do a new edition of the textbook. They do. Um, so would you say no, that this learning is like, stays the same <laughs> no this, new information i would say that we should burn all of the old stacks textbooks mm. none of what we said in the last episode applies anymore so all okay. like 12k of you who listened to the last one you got to listen to this one now yeah there's, there's no other choice yeah, yeah, yeah you have yeah. no choice it's, yeah, it's you required don't, reading for, when you go to dr delene's class he is not going to allow you, you. You will not be able to use volume one of how to play stacks. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. have to use volume two because yep. volume two is the only one that has the updated information. The other one is outdated and un. Luckily, unusable. volume two is actually a free PDF that you can get off a website online. And yep. Uh, <laughs> yep, it is. Unfortunately <laughs> can, for me, but yes. <laughs> you can rate Michael on rate my professor as well. <laughs> So, okay, so let's go through some of the stuff that we talked about last time. And uh, we, we, we talked about broadly in that original episode mm-hmm. of what is a stacks archetype. And, you know, one of the things we kind of brought up with that was stacks archetype plays effects that break down the avenues exploited by unfair strategies. They therefore... Force other decks to play fair match. Man, I can tell Charles and Cobble wrote this fucking album. Yeah, I was yeah. actually, Holy I wanted shit. to make this comment. <laughs> it was so well structured last episode for a Mind Sculptors episode because it was Charles and Cobblepot just philosophizing. But yes. I'm a little more chaotic than them. And that's why we did not make any edits to the show notes from nope, two years we ago. Took we're the, just going to show talk. notes and we're just going through and saying, this fucking doesn't apply, baby. Um, so, okay. <laughs> Let, here, here's what I want to do. Ian, what, what broadly do you kind of see stacks as, as like an archetype? What, what, how do you kind of define it? Um, yeah, I mean, so like the word is sort of uh, bastardized, I think, a lot. Yes. Uh, in the same way that the definition of what farm is is, is sort of bastardized throughout uh, <laughs> So like, I, I've had a bunch of legacy players come up to me who are like learning the format for the first time and being like, Oh, right, but why does anyone ever say hate bears? I'm like, shut up, it's the same thing. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, <laughs> it's it stacks in in a nutshell. When you're hearing a CEDH player talk about like the iconic stacks archetype, to me, it is as mentioned, like <clears throat> the implementation of proactive disruptive pieces uh, that allow the game to slow down to a pace that you can basically take advantage of and break parity on. And you know, there's obviously conversations about the definition of breaking parody and sax archetypes but i you know charles isn't on this one so i'm not going to get into that argument <laughs> we don't need to you know we don't need to get that lost in the sauce 
Um, for me, there's even like there's a, a very clear breakdown nowadays yeah. in my mind of stack decks and CDH. Yeah. There's yeah. good stack decks and there's bad stack decks, mm. and, and that's what there is. And and yeah. so what, I mean what you're by saying that, is, it, is there's winners and kingmakers. Yes. Well, kind of. Yeah. There's stack decks yeah. that have yeah. a plan of how to win, and they play cards that stop other people's plan yes. while facilitating their own. Yes. And then there's people who are like, what if no one plays magic, but I don't play magic either. Mm-hmm. My deck doesn't really do anything. Yeah. Let's play for three hours. I mean, that's straight up. I think Cal actually upsettingly described it perfectly. <laughs> there are winners and kingmakers. Yeah, right? yeah. Like that is, it's, I mean, and don't get me wrong. Like I started out playing stacks, like not knowing the best about the format or like not, you know, knowing every single micro interaction, every niche right. moment. Right. But I knew I was a stacks player at heart. And I knew that it was an archetype that I enjoyed that I didn't get to exploit in, in regular commander. Right. Um, and it was one that I had to stray away from, even though it was a, an archetype I very much enjoyed as a games player, right? So then there's this this niche of like, oh, but you can play your Grand Arbiters in CEDH, right? You can play your Winter Orbs and the Blood Moons, and the, the man's not going to hold you back when you're playing those here, right? But like, the thing is, uh, <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> the man. That's, well, I mean, you're, I don't know. People are fucking corny as hell. Uh, but like, <laughs> listen, Scott Derby won't come for you in CEDH. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, that is like a mentality I've heard people express, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's it's the it, it is tough because it is the place where you get to manifest that, right? But then there's people who come to tournaments, um, and, and these higher level events and they don't really have the uh ability to think three steps ahead, which is what you need to do as a stacks player, or and it's not like saying that they're unable to do that in in a vacuum right it's just like they haven't had the experience of doing so they're not so aware of what the meta is doing that they they don't know that this silver bullet piece is actually impactful in this pod whereas the other one would be impactful otherwise or the way that this player is actually tapped two lands and if they had a dockside it would be out already because it would make seven treasures right so instead i'm I'm not going to play around a dockside i'm going to play around the other piece that they have that's going to go grab them a dockside right all of Mm -hmm. these thoughts you need to have as a stacks player yeah you can't just say because yes. like in that that's the the bad stack decks are structured such that every turn is slam stacks piece yeah and there's and no like, other did you, plan did you guys forget about the winning the game part right? yeah <laughs> and, and yeah. i'm gonna say like when people started playing that yeah. tim nakamal deck i was yeah. just like miserable. come on miserable like list. it's it's, it's yeah. miserable and i get that like in some abstract sense kamal yeah. is a win con yes yeah. your eight mana feature is a win con but yeah. like that deck was really just repeatedly slam stacks pieces yeah. and that's yeah. not a winning strategy yeah and yeah. It, it's it's really hurtful to new players when they mm-hmm. see people playing that deck and they think yep. this is a stack deck because yeah. they get the worst habits they could possibly have yeah or or there's another illusion that i think a lot of people have nowadays and it's especially bad in in the current meta and it's it's one of the reasons why winota is performing quite poorly uh which is like because you've resolved the stacks piece that means you're okay yeah oh my god <laughs> that's my my largest qualm i think with stacks in in the meta right now is because people assume like oh i've resolved the single rule of law no one could possibly have a piece of targeted removal and you're like what <laughs> yeah and that's a lot of why i rebuild heliod so drastically because mm-hmm. i basically realized that yeah it's more of like a protect the queen type yeah. situation with stacks mm-hmm. you need to either have two of the same pieces mm-hmm. or you need a piece plus a way to protect that yes, piece exactly there's no way you can ever just there's no piece in the entire game right now yes. that is so powerful that if you slam it no one's ever going to be able to deal with it yeah, yeah um, absolutely and i think when people started thinking about decks like turbo rule of law this was mm-hmm. the thought process yeah people are like i'm always going to mulligan to a rule of law and yeah. it's like 
and then they're going to remove it and then yeah. the next person's going to win and that's yeah. going to happen every single time yes. um turns out that is exactly how it works every single yeah. time every single time uh, also yeah. here's another one out there for everybody and i know we say this every time we talk about stacks but for some reason people are incapable of learning this lesson do not and I, I, I would love, Cal, if you can zoom in just right to my camera on this one for, for okay. the people at home. So, uh, so not, right now, yeah, hard cut. Hard cut to my Ian, face. Yeah, yeah, Ian, has, yeah, yeah. Ian has the floor. Full you, screen. You out there. <laughs> We're doing this bit again. Yeah, you out there. You. Not you. You. <laughs> not you. you. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, everyone. Everyone. I'm not excluding anybody from this one. <laughs> Do not remove a stacks piece unless you can win the game. <sighs> yes, please. Oh. <laughs> if you're not winning the game, don't get rid of the stacks piece because you know who's going to take advantage of that. The person who didn't expend a resource and who no longer is locked under a stacks piece. Yes. <laughs> That's why Touch of the Spirit Realm is so good. That's it's why really that card cool. is insane is because it removes a stacks piece for a turn. Yes. Right? Or, or a flick or something, obviously. But like that card is so good because it's like, oh, I want to cast my commander. Boop. Goodbye, Draneth. Oh, hey, it's back. Look at that. And now I'm helping you out. Your resource is back. I would never dare to remove it fully. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where we've, you and I have talked about this on the podcast mm -hmm. a lot recently, yeah. where it's, we're just going to keep saying it, is people need to get used to playing under stacks yeah. for a while mm -hmm. and just kind of be like, this is, <laughs> you just got to accept your lot in life. Sometimes. Yeah. And it's yeah, just yeah. like, that, 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 that's, it sounds weird, but it's mm -hmm. like, there are going to be games where it's just beneficial for you to use the stacks player to your advantage. Yeah. But I will say this. Yeah. We're not here to how to play against stacks. We're here yeah, yeah, yeah. on how to play stacks. So right. uh, I will say one of the big lessons I learned since the recording two years ago about how to play stacks is that you have to play a stack deck knowing a little bit how people are going to respond to the stacks pieces you play. Yep. So, mm -hmm. for example, I stopped playing decks that play Null Rod. Why did I do that? Everyone responds poorly to a Null Rod. Mm -hmm. The table mm -hmm. is instantly really, really angry. And yeah. what I kept seeing was that people would not hold up interaction on their turn. They would use all their mana to do play Mana Rocks that didn't do anything because they were just like, well, I'm going to develop. No one can do anything. And then someone <laughs> would do something. Exactly. And they would have no interaction up. Yeah. And here you are. And it's like, you guys could have played responsibility responsibly under the null rod and then mm, yeah. set up for someone to remove it and then do things. Right. But people get so angry. There's like this visceral, I am so mad that my game plan has been disrupted. Yeah. And yeah. and people play well, it's because people goldfish so much that they don't know what interaction is. Yeah, but yeah. but you know, so I stopped playing null rod for that reason. And mm. and there's other cards like this that I stopped playing and and I think in general in twenty twenty three are bad stacks cards. For example, Thalia. Thalia, one of my favorite cards, is a bad know. card. You know that's, why? It's heartbreaking. No one holds up interaction when Thalia is in play. Thalia means I do some dumb, inconsequential thing on my main phase, yeah. and I pass the turn with no mana. And and a lesson I have learned, and it's a lesson that all these Turbo Mardu Summer people have learned, is that in CDH, if you want to win the game, you sometimes have to rely on your opponents to interact. And mm -hmm. stacks players, that means you can't stop them from being able to interact. Because yep. they're going to do dumb things. Mm -hmm. You tax them, they're not yep. going to hold up interaction. That's, that's this, how this, they, they and deal this with is, it. This is something I talked about in that episode with Charles, where Charles and mm -hmm. I had a disagreement about this, where um, I, I said that 
very actively when I'm building my decks, I kind of build my decks assuming people are going to play like idiots. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, like yeah. like more often than not, my like yeah. experience has been in events, oh, people are just really stupid. Yeah. So I try to like like I mulligan yeah. assuming somebody if I'm in a certain spot, I mulligan assuming mm-hmm. somebody going first is a dumbass. I'm mul- <laughs> like I build my deck assuming somebody's yeah. a dumbass. And I know that sounds I, harsh, but it's like I've been having a hard time playing mid-range lately just for that reason alone, like in tournament settings where it's like, okay, yes, like some people will uh, take actions to pursue like a game plan, right? But then other mm-hmm. times I'm I'm just having the experience of like, okay, but other people are just like punting into somebody. Mm-hmm. And if you can't take yep. advantage of being punted into, then what's the point, right? Yeah, Phil Gallagher had a good thread about this where yeah. he said like you, he was playing in his first big CDH event. Yeah. He was just like, you see so many people play poorly you need to be prepared for poor play and know how to take advantage of it. If you are a deck that only works when everyone else plays optimally, your deck's not going to function in the first couple of rounds. And and this is a 60 card joke too, because people often say my deck's really good at the top tables, which is like a stupid thing to say. It means your deck only can beat the meta decks. What is that? What does it even mean? But it's like people feel like they can't play optimally against bad players, Mm -hmm. but you know, you have to and, and well i mean like i had that experience i i bitched about this a lot that after silicon dynasty uh and you experience this a lot in cedh tournaments because once you lose it's kind of hard to stop losing yeah uh, because then you especially if your deck is not built in a way where you can yeah, uh, right like, and get like, out so from under you it. can you can ride the loser's bracket up right because you're not in the sense of like you can be worse players right because that's how that works right but in in cedh there's there's a, a, a habit of getting locked in the loser's bracket where the play patterns that allowed people to throw games to people who are in the top bracket now they're still executing those play patterns and you're yep. stuck in a pod with them yep, right? right and it's like you could you could be playing against two pretty decent players who got in the same situation that you are but there's still going to be one wild card in the pod who right. just absolutely beefed it and you're like, hey, I need you to interact with this spell. And they're like, no, I think I'm going to keep these 13 treasures for my turn. You're like, come on, dog. Like, <laughs> but, but, but this is why I think stacks has to be played differently now from, from two years ago. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I have the way I structured Heliod was so, you know, I have my stacks pieces that are going to be very good against responsible yeah. players, very good yeah. players. Yeah. And then I filled my deck out with draw engines and some more ways to get to my combo because in a yeah. pot of people who don't play responsibly, I will keep a hand that is just go for it because the the stacks pieces are going to cause people to do crazy shit. And instead I can just try to win the game. And especially Mm -hmm. when you notice you're in a pod where the decks maybe are not optimal, you know, uh, even a turn four plan is a good plan. Like I'm not going to do that in the finals. I'm not going to keep a hand that all it does is try to go off turn four with Heliopolista, but in a, lower pod after i've lost a couple matches i will easily do that and i i've capitalized on it multiple times so yeah that's the way you have to build your stack stack you need to have i am constantly searching for more draw engines for heliod because against the bad pod a draw engine is insane yeah you know people dirtle but you're dirtling better and and stack stacks you can always dirtle after you've locked out the responsible players right you can Mm -hmm. sit there and draw your one or two extra cards a turn when there's a rule of law in play but against the bad players, you're going to steamroll people by just yep. drawing so many cards. Yep. Uh, so now I am stacks plus 
weird mid-range value and it works out way better. Yeah, and and that <laughs> yeah. that's that's the other thing about CEDH definitions um kind of getting back into that is it's kind of hard to define CEDH archetypes a lot of the time because a lot of decks unless they're like very heavily skewed in one direction or the other end up mm-hmm. just blending into mm-hmm. mid-range piles um and yeah can kind of blur together to some extent. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, if you think about it, like in any other format, if you look at the amount of counter spells are, that are in blue farm, someone would call that a control deck in this format. And like, mm-hmm. that's a, it, it's an argument, and I don't think it's like technically an adverse one if you look at the amount of interaction in a deck like blue farm, but it also has the speed of being a turbo deck, right? So like... Yeah. What Yorion is, decks in Legacy have the same number of counters as some blue farm decks. Yeah. And they're like Yorion control decks. Yeah. Um, so... We definitely have decks that are less pure than the definitions that you would use in a 60 card format. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And I honestly think that uh, <clears throat> I, I, I enjoy the moniker of like commander win condition way more than I enjoy like X stacks, right? For me, right. it's more like like I, I like the, the Heliod Ballista. Like that explains yep. everything my deck is trying to do, right? I'm trying to play Heliod, trying to play Ballista, boom. Whatever ways I get there, I'm not I'm not uh, ascribed to some sort of like need to be a stack stack. You're like, no, it's a Heliod deck. If it has to be a tempo deck, it's a tempo deck. If it's a stack stack, it's a stack stack. Uh, there's 100 cards. It could be fucking anything. Yeah, point, no, right? a, co- a common question I get <laughs> right. is like, why don't you include this generically good stacks piece? And it's mm-hmm. because I'm not playing generic stacks pieces. I pay, mm-hmm. I play the stacks pieces that make my deck better against decks i'd be bad against yes so that is what me, i want to do <laughs> let let's let's ask this question yeah so for for looking at so because previously we had talked about here are the types of stacks pieces mm-hmm. you would want to play you would want to play a dryness magistrate that, depending sure, on yeah. there and this is in the in the text efficacy of a stacks piece <laughs> which is a word that the three of us would never use uh yeah. in in writing a script yeah. uh, <laughs> uh the more I digestible it. things are i think yeah, the yeah. more useful the episode can be for sure yeah <laughs> um but so you know what are the types of stacks pieces that you are looking at playing these days because obviously you've talked about how you're not playing stony silent yeah uh, or null rod whatever it's a fucking interesting card um yeah. you know like where do we what are our thoughts on rule of laws what are our thoughts mm-hmm. on you know torpor orbs and chalice and all yeah. of those things you know i i have my 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 thoughts on all of those things i guess mm-hmm. for for michael what is the stacks pieces you are prioritizing now uh versus two years ago i mean definitely rule of law the, the great thing about rule of law is they keep making the same mistake and printing more of them mm-hmm. um so so now you know for those turbo rule of law lovers um you really a lot of hands have rule of law mm-hmm. or rule of law yeah, Jason yeah. effect. And that effect is, is generically powerful against the things people are trying to do. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to jam an underworld breach yep. and this shuts off underworld breach. It literally says mm-hmm. two mana put underworld breach in the graveyard because mm-hmm. like you can't do anything after it. Um, so I, I think as long as breach is the most powerful thing you can do, mm-hmm. then rule of law is the most powerful thing you can yep. play as hate. Um, but cards like Thalia, gone. I have mm-hmm. canceled Thalia completely. Yeah. Um, you know, I never really was a Tangle Wire guy, and I don't think I'll ever be a Tangle Wire guy. Uh, Winter Orb, Static Orb, those, they, they don't... 
I, I think like I just it's nice to say that I, I want to point out even when I started fucking playing CEDH, Winter Orb and Static Orb were like unless you're playing Urza, they were yeah. like the boomer stacks pieces yep. that everyone fucking liked, and it was like Docs has been printed. Like, why are we still pretending this card is good? Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> it, it does barely anything. But even Insane. like Chalice, you know, I had a Chalice in my in my Heliod deck for Baltimore, mm-hmm. and the night before, I was with Mike Sad and Charles, and we mm-hmm. were talking, and you know. I was saying how I wanted to fit a touch the spirit realm in. I yeah. didn't know the cut. And like we instantly, we were all looking at the deck and we instantly just like chalice. Like, yeah, yeah chalice on zero stops LED. So underworld yeah, breaches yeah. also shut off. But like it shuts off my stuff. I don't want to shut off my own spells. I, I need to go cast my spells. Chalice is like, yeah. It's so symmetrical. It's insane. It's yeah. so good, but it's so and, symmetrical. And as a chalice <laughs> player in Legacy, yeah. Yeah. I play chalice in decks where it barely affects me. I mm-hmm. hate like the big tension in mono black decks is that you're a dark ritual deck, but you want to yeah. play chalice. And it's like, yeah. yeah. Cause it sucks. It sucks to have a dark ritual yeah. in your hand after you have a chalice and play in one. And-, and, and, and even in legacy where you can sculpt your curve so much easier. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like think about like if you, if you're trying to play around a singleton in a 99 yeah. card deck in CD, it's just not going to happen. It's just not right? going to so happen. Like, are you always chalicing for zero? Like that sucks. Yeah. And then like what, you're going to hit off one drop. So you're like, okay, my deafening silence is gone. My or swords is off. My swords, yeah. Right. There's silence. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? You're going to shut off all these brilliant pieces. Yeah. Of well, exactly. and, and this is a thing that I think is really important to point out is I think that as more of these pieces have gotten printed, the more the curve has come down. And so like, mm-hmm. this is, this was something you and I have talked about, uh, before uh i believe it was might have been oko when i was playing art and silas where sure, yeah. we tested playing ad nauseum in it because we looked at the curve yeah. and we were like yeah, shit this is like yeah. 1.5 or some shit and then mm-hmm. we like tried ad nauseum in it and we was like oh this just ad nauseum is like ass and it's mm-hmm. like curves these days are just so low to the ground yeah. Yeah. that it's so hard to chalice on one or two because you're shutting mm-hmm. off like all your own cards all everything yep mm-hmm. um, it's, it's not it's like you're an ancient tomb yeah. deck you are yeah. a, i have one ancient tomb in my deck yeah. so you can't play like a legacy stompy strategy you just mm-hmm. can't do it mm-hmm. and, and unless you have like an inherent piece in the command zone or you're playing like a razakat style deck where you're just like oh well whatever i can sack my own dudes like unless you're doing that specific thing asymmetry is the most integral part of yep. stacks i think and, and especially in the current meta like like you just like it, it, we are not in a place where you can afford to fuck around and find out because the one turn you fuck around you lose it's yep, like no. the, the 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 game is too efficient nowadays think about a, a card like dihada right it is a four mana commander that immediately refunds itself mm-hmm. immediately puts cards in the graveyard and refunds itself as soon as you cast it people yep. can cast this shit on turn two yep. and you're trying to tell me that you think you have turn, time to tap out for a chalice on one like that's that's not the 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 game we're playing anymore, right? Like, well, I mean, are, even decks that are playing like Tivit, right? Like Tivit yeah. comes down. Tivit effectively <laughs> costs three mana, yeah, because yep. it comes down and immediately makes at minimum two. So it's like I, I have played several games in the past year and a half where not having a turn one piece of interaction did lose me the game and i'm not saying that's every game right but like that is a real factor right like i'm having trouble playing mid-range decks right now because of how slow they are so like we can't afford to be like mana dork passing in our stack decks unless our turn two is so efficient right that's why i stopped playing rocco mana dork pass is so bad it's It's, so bad it's tough 
it's, it's not, not like there, there Orca's Bowmaster's yeah. bad. It's like it's generically bad. Yeah. It is not a good play pattern that you want to be involved it, in. It, and there are pieces that make up for it, right? Like even when I was playing Jetmere, right? Like I there were many turns where I was still able to like Mandork pass double sacks piece, but it was because I was able to be like Hushbringer root maze. And then yep. your opponents were like, I can't deal with that, right? Like that's right. a whole different level of tempo, right? Um, but if you're following up with like a single interaction piece, like what do you it's not gonna work. And especially if it's a sorcery speed one, that's like yep. a whole different beast. Yeah. Yeah. So now all those cards that are symmetric that don't really stop people from winning, they have yeah. to come out. Yep. They, they, yep. If it doesn't stop people from winning, it has to be a very powerful asymmetric piece. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Dranith's always going to be there. Yeah. Dranith stops people from winning, and it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Even when you're against three yep. blue farm players, you know, yep. they don't need the commanders, but it shuts off their breach. It's generically yep. good. Yep. Um, those are okay, but. Yep. Thalia, you're going to tax your own spells. Yeah. Cast no Thalia and no longer holding up, you know, silence or something. That, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, this is yeah. why, the, this is where I think this is interesting. We didn't talk about these types of effects mm-hmm. um, in the last, uh, you know, episode. Wow. Mm-hmm. This is to, to give you an idea of how long ago this episode came out. We were talking about Hull Breach, Hull Breacher in this. Yep. Yep. Hubbardcher was that, the That's how long ago it was. Yeah, um, and now we got Orcish Bowmasters. Yeah. That. Now we got Bowmasters. Uh, Same card. So. <laughs> but, but like a card we didn't talk about that yeah. um, I think is probably one of the best stats pieces in the format right now. Blind Obedience. Blind like, Obedience has always been that good. Card People who didn't so play it, it was so silly. Though. It's like yeah. significantly better now than it was so, two years ago. It's like, ago. It's, it's always been good, but right now it's like, because people are just like their dockside boners are popping and that yeah. card just shuts them off so hard i mean i've always <laughs> played it because i was playing heliod right so it has yeah. this incidental value where right. you can you have like a whole other reason to play that card it can't do life yeah um Chips in the, yeah. but yeah. like artifacts when to play tapped has always been good it's yep. like root maze is good for a lot of reasons but the mm-hmm. artifacts when to play tapped part of root maze is like right. really really right. good um and the other Absolutely. thing is coming to play tapped is actually a relevant piece of text on a lot of cards these days mm-hmm. why because people get killed in games now like combat yeah. damage happens and blockers are necessary and all these like you know i'm gonna put my commander out as a blocker i'm gonna do whatever no it, it it's a card that has so much text on it for so little and it's about the efficiency though right if that made my artifacts come to play tapped if it made my creatures come to play tapped it'd be bad right it would be well bad i mean away. i think about like you know, cards like, you know, you have Thalia, the the original Thalia. I feel like the second Thalia is significantly more playable than the the original one, honestly. Yeah, no, I, I so that that's the thing. Right now, if you said I had to play one of the two, I would always play the second one, even yeah. though it's three mana, because it just does more stuff. It, it, mm-hmm. it dropping people from playing lands untapped is very powerful because everyone sequences their turn so tightly so when yep. someone plays their underground c turn one thinking that they're gonna play their trop on turn two you know it's very important i mean that just it, disrupting fetches to. alone yeah. is very strong yeah but i mean yes i stopped playing fetches in my monocolor decks unless absolutely necessary because oh, yeah. there's no reason to get hit by like archon Right, Archon isn't just good because it's a rule of law. 
that yeah. land effect is incredibly powerful. So I won't play fetches. Mm-hmm. You know, would there be reasons to play fetches? 100%. Will I ever do it in a monocolor deck again? Unless they give me some crazy planes type, you know, non-basic that says win the game. I'm not doing it. What is this? Get Sharky out of here. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> the reason i did that is it's literally sitting here and we're talking about lands and i'm just yeah. staring at the card <laughs> but i also think more and more normal decks can't afford the symmetric hate pieces mm-hmm. because you don't see as many decks that are like i don't have any of this effect anymore so when yeah. i was playing rocco like i wanted to play no rod but then you do want to play dockside and rocco yep. and yep. like this is I, to I the same it. thing with July Halara too. Yeah. Like the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. You well, just, this you, is, you can't do it. This, this is one of the things that I've often said in, you know, about, you know, Arden is not like storming the meta, but you know, I, I often get asked a lot of no, questions no, about like on. Arden, um, <laughs> but like specifically about like Arden Tana. And it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. The, a lot of, there is a lot of debate among people who play that deck on whether or not it should be an Oof deck or a Null Rod deck or mm-hmm. if it shouldn't be. And I'm very firmly on a, you can be a green deck and not play Oof and it's okay. Yeah. Like I, I think that, especially when your game plan centers mm-hmm. around activating abilities and just oh arden sheets it's like arden's not going to be there every time guys like, yeah it's, you, you never it's, want you can't rely deck. on that being there every single exactly time. you don't mm-hmm. want your half of your deck to be inactive because yeah. one card isn't in play anymore you That's can't like load really your deck bad. up with yeah. fucking colossus hammer and then be locked away from the thing that yeah. makes that card work mm-hmm. because you wanted to play a stack those things are perfectly fine yes <laughs> yep. they are perfectly fine for you because your artifacts entering tap does not matter doesn't yep. matter yep. does but not matter it's still good fun fact and, i mean <laughs> this is why i won't play for example torpor orb effects so yep. me yeah. and chief at the mono white discord have argued about this for years i could play torpor orb effects probably why don't i because i have cards of the etbs that are good cards mm-hmm. and i don't want to yeah. shut off my good cards some of I my will, tutors are etb effects also- yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, what I was gonna say, Heliod specifically, I feel like this is a is a conversation for. But that's there's a little bit more nuance when we look at more expanded different stack decks. But sorry, I mean, yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's just like it's really hard to play a deck that doesn't have ETBs that are good. Yeah. You don't. You, you generally are playing a bunch of cards that are actually mm-hmm. only good because they have an ETB effect. Mm-hmm. So generally, turning off people's ETBs not good. Do I play uh, the new Elish Norn? I guess it's not really new anymore. Now it's like the second from last Elish Norn. There's yeah, three yeah. of them now. But like, it's yeah. the middle. It's mom. It's, it's mom. the mommy. It's the mommy. You, won't, you I, might I, say. I play that card because it's asymmetric. Like, mm-hmm. and, and it sucks that it's five mana, but it's asymmetric. And yeah. I, I will not do a two mana one yes. for it to be symmetric. Like, it would have to be one mana and I could sacrifice it. Like, yeah, for yeah. example, I mean, Boromir is the, yeah. is the one where it's like, Boromir shuts off the zero mana things. It sucks mm-hmm. because you turn off your opponent's free interaction against your other opponents, 
but you but can, you can sack it. it. Yeah, you can always get rid of it. So it's never really stopping you. It's someone just yeah, doesn't yeah, tell it, you that they need you to get rid of it. But like a hushbringer hey, uh, in a lot of decks, oh god, if it's just stuck there, that's tough. <laughs> hey guys, Callahan here, famous Lavinia player. Uh, I would play Boromir before I would play this lovely lady. Continue, <laughs> I mean, but it, but um. it, it's, it's true. <laughs> I mean, Boromir is only a playable card in my mind because you can sacrifice it. It yeah. could have said sacrifice, do nothing, and it would literally be, yeah, okay. Because you just need to be able to be like, oh, we need you to be able to cast your force of will right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I will sack my Boromir. Yeah. No, yeah. I completely agree for sure. Yeah, it's and then but then there's the argument of like at three mana, how impactful is this effect? You know, this, yeah, that, the other thing. But like, yeah, yeah. But so for things like Torpor Orb, if I had a, if they let me sack them anytime I wanted, I would play a Torpor Orb. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I can't do that. So I'm not going to play it. This this is know. weird. My my argument against that is like. I feel like with the anti-ETB effects, and once again, it's way different than Heliod, right? Because like, if you lose Ranger Captain of Eos yep. and like shit like that, like like Ranger Captain being able to be a silence that also gets your ballista is like the, insane, the biggest yeah. cracked, right? Like yeah, that's yeah. that's one thing entirely, right? But like, I, I think with uh, you know, there are other archetypes where I, I feel like being able to break parity on anti-ETB, like there's uh, honestly there's fucking blue farm deck that could play Hushbringer, and no one's ever gonna tell you that. But it's like it's it's. I'm not saying it's like it's the because, way to build it's blue because, farm. It's because are, blue farm's actually a control deck. If you ask yeah, the pros, yeah. I'm saying what people are going to be like. You lose dogs and Thorgal. I'm aware. I'm saying this is a different deck that plays the same shell, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. But like these oh, these oh, things. Can also, it's okay for them to. It's okay for your deck to not be perfectly synergistic. Like no, see, it, this is what we were talking about earlier in the episode, though. It's not anymore. I think that yeah, was at one I think point that's a, a problem. Thing, I, I, I think those feel real I, bad. I will say <laughs> yeah. in a deck like Blue Farm, I think you can get away with it. I, sure. I, I think in those types of decks, it's like, okay, I play like I, I, I've said this before. Mm -hmm. uh, I play Grafdigger's Cage in my uh, Tivit deck. I also mm -hmm. play Luris. Sometimes you have a Luris, you have a Grafdigger's Cage. It sucks. Uh, I, yeah. I'm not going to not play those two cards. Like it's just yeah. I mean, right now, for example, I'm going through that with uh, damping sphere and the fact that my favorite card yeah. is Mishra's Workshop. You right. know, I play Nykthos, I play Ancient Tomb, I play yeah. City of Traders, I play all of these. You really are just the worst. I know, <laughs> uh, but I'm playing damping sphere because yeah. it's like a two man. Damping sphere very effect. good right now. Yeah, it's exactly. Good, yeah. Um, but I I actually hate this tension, and whenever I goldfish and I run into yeah. it, I like yeah. want to raid to remove that card from my deck because of course <laughs> I'm not removing Mishra's Workshop. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't think there's a lot of room for it. Like there's times where I have not been able to win a game because of my own yep. sax piece, and I never want that to really be the case. Yeah. Um, I started, you know, one of the reasons I love staff of um completion. Mm -hmm. You can remove your own sax pieces because it's 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 one ability that no one cares about is like one oh, is like pay one life yeah. tap destroy permanent you control. Mm -hmm. I have a hundred percent destroyed my own rule of law, so I could win on my turn, and I like. That is a relevant piece of text, but I can't assume I That's always have that card. That's some big dick energy if I've ever heard it. <laughs> oh, I will destroy any permanent I control if it lets me win the game. Come yeah, on. Yeah. But um, you don't want to have to rely on that. It's like what we were talking about with the Arnon situation. You don't want to rely on having Arnon in play, just like I don't want to rely on having staff of completion. Arnon's your commander. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it, it's, it's asking a lot. So I, I think stacks, stacks these days, every piece you have to be like, does this stop me from winning? How, what percentage of my lines, my winning lines, does it shut off? Now, I'm playing Grafter's Cage and 
worn runestone uh, with, uh, what do you call that card? We used to call it tripod, but I guess we're not going to call it that Every anymore. Every time I hear, or no, it's not worn runestone. It's worn power stone that I power hear. Power stone, that's what it is, the, yeah. The worn power stone I hear, and I it, my brain hears it and is like, oh, that's a Flintstones character. Um, <laughs> like... But I'm playing the the two man artifact where it's like two tap sack creature and you can get a creature with the same creature type. That's one more. Oh, Pyro Heroes. Pyro yeah. Heroes. So ah, that okay. that's pretty good in healing out because you have a lot of two mana humans. You can turn to Ranger yeah, Captain. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, I play Grafter's Cage. Sometimes that sucks. Yep. And mm-hmm. right now I am still trying to find out if it's worth that tension. It's the same thing with Oswald. I play Oswald yeah. and I play these cards that don't let things come in from the library. Uh, mm-hmm. But Oswald can sack them. So, like, for a long time, I didn't yeah. play Pyre because I have, like, the things, like, that are stop it, I can't get rid of. So, you know, so here's, that, here's, here's, what a, I, here, here's what I'm going to propose. Because, like I said, you're a man of science. So, uh, <laughs> I want to provide a, a scientific... I just saw Oppenheimer, so I'm really feeling this, <laughs> you know, this, yeah, yeah. this the scientific method right now. Michael, is, we really uh, want you to build a nuclear bomb, is what we're saying. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So what I what I'm feeling with this conversation is that stacks is in a lot of ways like light. Uh if that makes sense. Uh light can both be or what stack the tension in stack stacks can be both like light how light is both a particle and a wave depending mm-hmm. upon how it is observed or whether it's not observed. Mhm. And the point so, I'm getting at is that it's it, it can be both things, right? But what things both, is stacks being? This is the weirdest no, no, no. tirade you've ever started off on, so, and I'm very excited. Okay, listen. What I'm saying is, is that both things can be true. You don't want to have these pieces that don't, like, work together, right? Like, mm. the you don't want to be, in, in Arden, you don't want to be playing fucking null rod effects in your equipment deck. Probably mm-hmm. not a great idea, um, but you can also play Graft Digger's Cage in your Oswald or your Pyre of Heroes deck. Both those things can be true at the same time. Yeah, well, you know, so that, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Is that it, idea it really matters that, how many lines you're shutting off? So exactly. Like the reason why I don't want to shut off ETBs is because I have Ranger Captain, I have Recruiter, I have uh, Captain or Ranger of Eos. I have like so many ETB cards that get Walking Ballista. That it shuts off like forty percent of my lines to ballista, so yeah. that is okay. Cards that shut off one line to ballista don't shut off that much. I'm okay with that. So that that was kind of that's been my thinking at least. Yeah. But I think you have to actually assess that. If this symmetric piece is in my deck, how much does it actually shut off? There is got to be a threshold where it shuts off too much, and you say I don't play this piece. And and the thing is. I, I think it's very important to know. I don't know that that's a like, like a science knowing that number. I, I feel like it's very much a art of figuring out what that balance is. Well, it, it also, you have to think about your play style a lot. Yeah. So like some people are very comfortable playing under tax pieces. And I remember when I first started playing, I didn't like rule of law and Heliod because I still feel that I'm a bad rule of law player. Yeah, I mean, like, I've talked about that a lot. Is like I don't play rule of law in my Arden decks because I'm just like, listen, I don't like playing with rule of laws. Like, yeah, I'd rather play 
play proactively or play more yeah, spells so, on my turn. And and to be honest, since I kind of identified that playing flash effects with rule of law was good, I also don't know that I'm that good of an instant speed player. I like don't play decks that play. So you're good at turn. like having a grand abolisher out basically is what i'm hearing that's yeah i'm good yeah. when no one can interact <laughs> no one can but do I, anything with you but like, <laughs> but like i generally play proactive decks mm-hmm. um and when i was playing a rule of all deck i realized it's hard to be proactive because i have to balance you know stopping my opponents with progressing yeah. my own game plan and i i didn't like that tension so now i have these flash effects that let me do both that's really nice but now i have to think a lot about when i do things on other people's turns and what turn I'm doing it on, because there's three turns. It's not like when I play Legacy, and it's like, well, I use this Force of Will on my opponent's turn. It's like, I flash in this piece on player A, B, or C's turn. I -hmm. might need to flash more than one card in at different times. Um, And I don't know that I'm that good at that yet, but like... Yeah, it's an art, not a song. I need to to get into it. And and I'll figure out, you know, what the right balance is of these things from doing that. Ian, but you I'm not playing defense grid. Vigorously <laughs> googling something over there, or searching, scry following things. What what is your research bringing to you, uh, <laughs> Professor Professor Ian, Professor MTG? I should call you. I I, um, I just have no like. I I agree with what Michael's saying. I don't. There's, there's only so much I can like be like. I'll add some flavor to Michael. Like I don't know. <laughs> like, he's great. Like there's is a lot of nuance to like. Is is it best to play Flash? Is it best to play Rule of Law? I, I literally so like we had the conversation. Uh, I've had this actually like three or four times lately because part of coaching is that you have like some weird ass conversations about CEDH. And uh, one of the things I've talked about with people is like I've had players who are like, "Hey, I I suck at playing Sylvan Library. I'm aware objectively, like I think it's actually a good card. They're not in like the Sylvan Library sucks camp, right? But they are in the I don't know how to play this card right. And I've literally told them, take it out of your deck, like put a different card in." for the tournament you're about to go into. If you have three weeks, if you have four weeks, like get it out of there, right? Uh, or, or if you have four weeks, sorry, if three or four weeks, uh, like get a chance to test it, right? But if you don't, then don't play it right now, <laughs> right? right. Um, and there are cards like Ristic Study, which is like, no, you should probably play that one, you know? Yeah, uh, I don't know like, how you it, can be a bad Ristic <laughs> Study player. <laughs> oh, I've played them, trust me, they, they never trigger it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I agree with like the, the sentiment of like, I don't know if I'm a good rule of law player, right? And it's like it, you sometimes these archetypes, and once again, we, the, from the very start of the episode, playing stacks is really fucking hard. Uh, mm-hmm. It is the hardest archetype in CEDH, period, mm-hmm. hands down. Um, uh, I mean, there's a ver- like- there, there's very much a reason why I tell people when they're they're coming into the format, don't you're like I tell them play Najila, play. Yep. Uh, Trying to think of other good first decks. Nagila's not like Rogside. Not Rogside. Don't play Rogside. Yeah. Don't play Timnacrom first. You want to play like decks that kind of play themselves. You can play Timnacrom, really. Actually, I, th- I think playing Timnacrom is not that hard. As long as you recognize that it's a mid range deck and not a turbo deck. Like, if you let people know that, they're like, oh, okay, I get it now. Like, yeah, you know, it's like, just like play cards, draw cards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stop yeah, exactly. my opponent, eventually win. Yeah. 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 But like, th- there's a reason why, like, there's like, a handful of those like mid-rangey good first decks mm-hmm. because it's just like yeah. very simple to sit down and go okay so Tivit does so mm-hmm. Najila does this and then yeah. there's the, 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 the decent yeah. reason why those are kind of like the best decks format too, I, I was but, playing with someone the other day that they had just picked up CDH and they picked up Yisan oh, and God. they were having a lot of trouble pr- trying to sequence Yisan 
because it's yeah, like, do I get a combo piece on one or a yeah. removal piece? Do I get a stacks piece on two or an engine? And, you know, it's really easy to lose when you make the wrong choice in that kind of deck. So yeah. it's really tough to start learning it if you ha don't have familiarity with like other toolbox decks, for example. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't start by playing Oswald. That's probably a no. bad idea. I don't think you should end with playing Oswald. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I said this previously. I'm going to just say you shouldn't play Oswald. <laughs> Oswald. Oswald has the most room in mono white to grow to be the best mono white deck. It has yet to do that because they do not print the cards that will make it the best mono white deck. And instead, <laughs> you just have to play a bunch of bad cards in any deck that necessitates playing objectively bad cards. Like, is a bad deck. It's a bad deck. <laughs> I, think, I think that you have to be like, does any format Magda, think this we're looking card at is, you. <laughs> does any format think this card is good? If no yeah. format thinks this card is good, now I'm talking about even like the sealed environment it was in. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. if if this card has never <laughs> been good, it's a bad card. Yeah. Listen, guys, one with nothing is not that good. Okay. You can't make it work. <laughs> but um, but you can't start with decks, especially that play a bunch of bad cards. Yeah, yeah uh, I agree. And require a lot of choices. You can play, you know, what deck doesn't require many choices, and I wish people still played it. What are, what are, um, let me ask this. Wait, 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 was wait, that a question? It was a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, oh, what deck requires almost zero choices other than mulliganing? Godo? Yep, exactly. Yeah. Start okay. with Godo. Yeah, yeah. You, you, yeah. you keep your hand when there's mana in it. Over. And then, yeah. like, let's go. And, and if yeah. you want to start and then you want to learn, because Godo, you can be much better when you start to learn better sequencing. Yep. You start to learn slightly better mode. You learn how to read the table too. Yeah, yeah, but the deck functions out of the box, yeah. right? And yeah. that's what you should start with. I've kind of considered building Godo because, I like, like, I love playing like equi like equipment style yeah. decks like that. I know and, you like, do. You I love, love to just no like. Way. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like I love playing like the decks that just kind of go like, yeah. okay, I'm doing this thing. Stop it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> If you can't, Cal loves Rogsai. Whoa. <laughs> okay, yeah. but actually, I do like Rogsai a lot as. Okay, this is where. Okay, I'm going to go on a slight tangent. I actually do really like Rogsai, and I do really want to play that deck, but I can't mm -hmm. on principle. Like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's not any. It, it's a. I can't play the deck because I just. It goes against my morals and ethics as a content creator. <laughs> I have a brand to stick to. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, as as the first person to ever get a top result with Rogsai, I don't think I agree with your morals and ethics. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let me ask you guys this. So, uh, you know, a few years ago, we might have looked at commanders that were good for, uh, you know, these sorts of decks we think mm -hmm. like kenrith right mm -hmm. uh i think winota was around during the yo big rip to kenrith stacks right that okay i was about to say but yeah. kenrith is dead i don't see people playing kenrith anymore uh actually there's been a lot of more tempo kenrith lately which is a really, really a change i was not expecting because i hate tempo kenrith i i like i genuinely think it's like it uh, i don't know i feel like it's always worse than thrasios and thrasios is struggling right now so like what what is it doing kenrith <laughs> yeah, is I, I don't that's my take. what does it do um, that Njila doesn't do i mean yeah yeah i yeah. sad i'm sad you know i wish cobblepot was here to be able to defend kenrith uh stacks yeah. i'm sure he would defend it somehow Listen. Something, something dubscape. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, where's my bag of wood? Oh my God. Uh, no, yeah. so when we look at what 
our commanders that we see as like good stacks commanders now versus maybe where we were a few years ago. What do you guys think are the 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 way to go if you're playing stacks right now? Well, I, I, I genuinely say Heliod. Think, <laughs> I, I actually straight up do think Heliod's like one of the best stacks at the current moment. I think the way Michael has it built is actually really smart. Um, I I've been trying. Uh, repeatedly to uh, emulate that strategy with other archetypes right now, but I haven't had the time of the day to be able to effectively. Uh, well, so I, th- I think I've talked about this on the show before. I have like 600 decks in Moxfield right now. Uh, <laughs> the amount of decks that do not actually see the light of day that I'm like, okay, I've made an invasion here, but it's not enough of an invasion for me to spend months working on this thing. Sorry. And like, I hope someone else picks it up at some other point in time, yep, right? Yep. Uh, like, there, someone was there, someone earlier on today was talking about how like, grinding station has been criminally underplayed in Rogsai. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I have this in this deck from a while ago, whatever. <laughs> Didn't have time to throw it. <laughs> right? Like, it's just like little innovations like that. It'll, like, I love working on stuff like that. Yep. But it, like the light of day stuff doesn't actually ever come out as much as I want. Um, but I think what you've done with Heliod and, and being a focus specialist like you are, right? Uh, you've you've adapted to what the current meta is doing. Yeah, I would argue like there's a lot of decks right now that are like tempo stacks decks, right? And that's the stuff that I think is really strong. Um, so like even when it comes to like uh deafening silence in Sisse, right? Yeah, uh, I would argue that the way I have Sisse Legend Chain right now is not a stack stack even slightly, right? But I do have enough disruptive pieces that it allows me the time I need to be able to yep. turn the corner, like Michael was talking about, right? So for example, like playing deafening silence, opposition agent, and uh, like a few other interaction pieces, right? It's just enough time to be able to get you to pivot into winning the and game. And that's what every stack stack should do right now. It's yeah, not about do. making the game go to time. And I think yes. people constantly need to be reminded this. You are yeah. not trying to win on turn infinity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though if there was no time limit, I'm sure your deck would win the game. It doesn't help. Oh, that's my favorite. That's my favorite argument I ever hear is that the, the, the time limit is the ultimate enemy of stack stacks. And I just want to say this from the bottom of my heart as a content creator. If you sit down to play in a game that I edit and you make the game go three fucking hours because you're a stack stack, I'm coming for you. Because, <laughs> well, but it's just like I never went to time at Baltimore. I never yeah. went to time. It was never a problem. The, it's, it's like, yeah, you, Charles, and I have like, how many times have we actually gone to time? I know. Like in these matches, right? And it's like, we're notorious either like fucking Thrasio Seedborn or, or Stax players. Yeah, it's like, exactly. oh, it's weird that we don't ever go to time, huh? It's like, it's because you need to know how to play your deck quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But a lot of people don't build their deck with like mm-hmm. a path yeah. to getting to their win con quickly, or they yeah. don't. I remember right after the first, the DDM tournament where I did well, Braden had me on yeah. uh, Greedy Keeps. And one of the things yeah. I said about Heliod is, you don't keep a hand that has no way to get to winning. Yep. It's yeah. like, you can't do it. it you need yeah. a tutor or a draw engine or something. You cannot just keep stacks pieces in, in mana rocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, unless you are a Timna deck. Like when I play Timna Armix, I might do that because I have Timna and I have Armix. Yeah. So I'm always getting through. So it's like, then I might do I it. I think that might be the exception to that too, right? Like, yeah. Even then you, in that deck, like you, you can turn the corner and like get your Toski and stuff like yep. that down, which is actually more important. I find, but like, there's also times where you're just like, nah, I got a crater hook in the command zone. Might as yeah, well, right? Right. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it, people keep hands where it's like they have, they win with a combo, but they have no path to the combo and they're just yeah. going to lock the game out until right. someone draws the right cards to, to break out. And, well, and, and that I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it, it, it's, I, I, Arden's not a, a tiered deck, but it's a deck that I work on. 
and one of the questions I always get is, it's like, why are you playing loyal up front? Like, okay, well, here's why. But it kind of, I ask that a lot. You do, but <laughs> like, I give you a very valid reason, which is, hey, I haven't, it, like, you're in colors that struggle to pull that package together, like, re- really easily, right? Like, it, in green, you can do that, no big deal. In black, you can do that, no big deal. But you're yeah. in sans black and green. So you kind of have to cobble things together a little bit. And so when you have an intuition package that lets you just go grab uh, Loyal Apprentice, Godo, and Savine's Reclamation, and you're just like, oh, hey, game's over, uh, it fixes a lot of issues that your deck would normally have. So it makes mm-hmm. Mystical Tutor a much better tutor in a deck like that mm-hmm. than maybe it would be without that line. You know what I mean? I, I will say I am now at the, the point with Heliod where I don't want to play any cards. I feel like I only play because I'm a mono white deck. Like I'm really trying to only play decks again that can play good cards. I've been infected by the cabal mind virus. You know, no, (laughs) no bad cards. I mean, like, I don't even like this is one of the things. And I think it's very important to say this. I don't know that the mind it's a mind virus. I do think there is a lot of good things in like what they're saying and like thought process. But But you have to really think like, is this card good in a vacuum? Am I going to draw this in a bad situation yeah. and it will do anything? Well, or I mean, is it just like, like the worst possible version of this though, effect? Right? Like, yeah. I, I mean, that's something I feel like I've been saying for a very long time. And this is something I've said about rule of law decks. And every time that I give, uh, because frequently I do like little coaching sessions on like Arden decks. Um, I have one guy that I talk to about it very frequently. And every time we talk about it and we evaluate a card, he's hard on, this is a rule of law deck. And I'm like, cool. So every time we evaluate a card, I ask him the same question is, are you okay with this being your spell for the game? Yeah, no, that, like, that's, that's, a huge that's, thing. that's the question. Like mm-hmm. I, I ask that every single time. And if the answer is yes, then it's cool mm-hmm. in the deck. If it's not, then okay, probably take that card out. That is how you need to be able to evaluate these cards in these stack stacks mm-hmm. is like, if, I'll say that's why the flash enablers are so good because you know it's a bad yeah. draw for turn under rule of law, Mox Opal. You know it's not a bad draw under rule of law, Mox Opal. When you have a flash enabler in play, yeah, yeah like, exactly. It, it, and and so that makes so much of the deck better draws, and that's been like mm-hmm. a huge thing. And yeah, I but I, like the whole thing of like when you're doing your thing, is this card still going to be good? Is a mm-hmm. huge question to ask yourself. Yeah, you, yeah. You like yeah. cards should not be bad when you're doing the thing your deck's trying to do. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Well, uh, it's been a pleasure getting to talk stacks with you, Michael. I, uh, I know that we, we uh, previously had gone hours and hours and hours and hours, but uh, you know, I think this one will probably say we've got out a lot of good. I think this this edition. I, I said volume yeah. earlier. I meant to say edition. Edition. Well, this, um, this is our DLC yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This edition. Yeah of uh the how to stacks edition two mm-hmm. or the second edition can i can i pause the wrap up here yeah, for yeah. uh two things first of all uh welcome to this episode of my <laughs> my name is ian and with me is my co-host callahan thank you for joining us here we have our lovely guest michael levine here to talk stacks uh, and then the other thing i wanted to <laughs> introduce uh was before we go if you really want to get good at stacks i think this is this is my my hot take uh play pokemon specifically play doubles pokemon vgc oh that's interesting 
because it's all predictive and analysis, yep. right? So for example, uh, Pokemon VGC or the, or the online battling is double battles, right? So you send out two Pokemon at the same time. Uh, you you start with a team of six. That's what you like register. Like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna play these six. Are you talking about the card what? game, or are you talking about no, the, like, talking about VGC video, video game? Okay, okay. Console, yeah, yeah. Um, so VGC is important. So you, you you register six Pokemon, right? You pick four, and you pick the order in which they go out, right? Uh, and the entire game is like what is my opponent most likely to do? How am I going to counter that? And how am I going to position my Pokemon yep. so that I can then win this game, right? It's extremely heavy predictiveness. It's like you you have a lot of mind games of like, okay, but if I go for this move, are they going to counter it by going this way, right? Not to mention there's typing, all of that stuff. It's a, actually, it's really, really engaging and fun. Um, but like it teaches you. I remember like I was on a Pokemon binge last year, right before I played Jetmere at Chaos. Yeah. And I was able to, even though that was a 75 minute no turns match uh, tournament, I was able to take a win conless stacks deck to the top 16 of that tournament because I had been spending so much time doing these predictive play patterns that it was like it was in the back mm-hmm. of my head, right? So not only do you have to uh, pick what Pokemon you want to send in, the four out of the six, right? You have to pick what order you send them in. Mm-hmm. And then you also have to be predicting, okay, what four Pokemon am my opponent going to send? And what Pokemon are they going to leave behind? Who are they going to send out first? What are the type matches going to be? And all of those things, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like, a, I mean, it's, first of all, it's extremely engaging. Uh, I highly recommend watch Wolfie. Watching. Wolfie. Yeah, I was going to say watch Wolfie, <laughs> yeah. watch uh, Aaron, Cybertron Zhang. Like both of those two are brilliant YouTubers. Um, Wolfie is very easy to digest. That's kind of why he's like the largest, I'm pretty sure, mm. competitive Pokemon player on YouTube, right? Um, and sorry if I'm wrong about that to whoever beats him. Uh, but these, it's very easy to absorb. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no idea what's going on i was um, doing fine and then at some point my brain decided that we're just gonna do this and i was like all right okay. well, i'm along for the right. ride at this I'll, I'll capture the tangent and bring it back in but anyways uh it's it teaches you right and it's like the same thing with mulligans right like the amount of i, I felt so like second nature at being like okay i'm looking at the decks at this table i predict that their first turns are going to look like x mm-hmm. y or z mm-hmm. And I was able to keep hands and sequence my stacks pieces to a point where I had multiple opponents be like, I just feel like you knew exactly like you had the soul read the whole game. And I was like, yeah, I kind of have to like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not playing a combo. I have to literally beat you to death with this fat cat. No, like, it's, it's, I, it's yeah. actually standing behind you the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just like tugs on his ear. If you, uh, or tugs on their yeah, ear. Yeah, if yeah, you of course, this, of course. this online tournament, but, you were signaling behind. Yeah, but it's course. like, <laughs> and not to, not to tout the horn of another CDH player, but, Watch Phil Gallagher and Brian Koval because yeah. they talk through on their in their videos why yeah. they're making decisions and they're always trying to predict the play pattern of their opponent. Yeah. And it is, yeah. you know, I know it's 60 card, but the, the difficulty of playing CDH is that you have to yeah. do that thing yeah. for three players There's and you have to think how they're going to respond to each other. And yeah, yeah. you have to just get used to what are the basic things to consider. So like earlier... I think it was you that said, you know, look at the lands that were tapped because this this yeah. might indicate they they don't have a dark yeah. side or they would have played the dark yeah, side. Yeah. You have to do those things at all times. Sixty card mm-hmm. formats, it's a little easier to train yourself because you don't have yeah. to pay so much attention. Right. But it's like mm-hmm. a really important thing to do because that's mm-hmm. the only way to be good at sacks. You need yeah, to be able to predict good. what everyone's doing. You have to know what their game plan is, and you have to know mm-hmm. how they're going to respond to the game plan you're trying to forward. And and if you don't do that, if you just jam pieces, you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to win. You're, you're well, just going to 
humble it. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's, it's very interesting to think about it in that regard. And the, the Pokemon analogy, I think is really interesting. It makes me think about like mm-hmm. when I would play piano, I would actually to like warm up before I would go like play for church or go play a concert or whatever. Uh, but believe it or not, I would play guitar hero beforehand because it would get my <laughs> hands moving. Mm-hmm. And it's sure, like sure. my left hand is the one that I always struggle with the dexterity on. So I would always just play like a few rounds of guitar hero would get me warmed up. I would get going with that. And the idea of playing a uh, Pokemon like that is very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. That definitely is also super fun to watch. Like I love watching yeah. YouTube videos for Pokemon. Mm-hmm. If you also want to see, like get used to learning how to play against tax players, watch J Rose. He's a Pokemon player who tries to beat the game with one Pokemon. And he's, he's trying to do it with every single Pokemon. So it'll be yeah. like, how do I beat the whole game with Rattata? So what does he do? He figures out in like these impossible situations, the optimal strategy that gives him the best odds to win. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's literally the odds. Like he has to do the battle 10 times because yeah. there's a yeah. 10% chance this strategy will win. But mm-hmm. those are the kinds of things you have to look for in a game, especially against stacks or as a stacks player. You need to yeah. be like, I have this percent chance and this mm-hmm. is how I do it with the highest percent chance. Mm-hmm. So if you want to watch someone just do that with abras and magic carps mm-hmm. uh i find it very helpful it's a good thought process yeah yeah well uh you know outlast what's what's the other part of it uh outlive outlast survivor out, outwit outlast what's the, <laughs> what's the other part of survivor you're the uh, survivor specialist i am and i can't remember what it's called you know uh outwit outlast out of the closet <laughs> <laughs> i feel like that's not it but i wish it was you know what? <laughs> hey you know what jeff probes would probably be okay with it uh <laughs> uh so yeah that uh like i said that uh is a pretty good conclusion there is uh coming mm-hmm. out of the closet uh and so uh, <laughs> that transition is so rough but... <laughs> yeah real rough <laughs> uh but Michael, thank you so much for joining us again. Like I said, it's been a hot minute since we've had you back. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, you know, Sculpey family, we're gone. We haven't <laughs> seen you in a while. It's good to catch dinner with you. Uh, really sit down <laughs> and have a chat. Um, for people who want to uh, follow along with what you're doing and the type of uh, stuff that you do within CEDH, how can they find you and uh, interact or? I would normally more. say Twitter, but now I have to say X. I'm still on there, so I still I still post stuff. Michael V. Levine. Um, I have a Moxfield. If you you know, I get a lot of those notifications for likes. Could people please comment on Moxfield? <laughs> I, I feel like that's a very underutilized functionality yeah, in Moxfield. Yeah. Uh I would love to talk about like the, the Flash Heliod decks. And I also I also just like uh, Ian have a crazy amount of like unfinished decks that you can just mm-hmm. go through. For example, I built what I think is a really cool Shieldred combo deck where it's like Lich Shieldred combo, and I super optimize it. I own all the cards. I've never sleeved it, which is embarrassing because I, I bought a Lich, and that's stupid. Um, but, <laughs> but like if you think that's a cool deck, comment on it. Just I, I think it would be helpful to engage on decks yeah. that we make, even if it's decks that we yeah. might not think about again. So definitely check me out on Moxfield. And then check me out on the Mind Sculptor. So we have a lot of old videos you can watch through the Mono White guys. We have good content. <laughs> no, check you're a bad out. stacks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, bad stacks pushing content. Uh, 
if you want to an easy way to find michael uh in the description below in our link tree all of the mind sculptors links uh to our mox fields and to our twitters are in there so if you want to follow all of us on uh, Moxfield, you can go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, believe it or not, on our Moxfield, this is really funny because we can see the stats. The most this was even before you were the co-host officially. Mm-hmm. The uh, most clicked on like links in our link tree behind YouTube in the podcast, like the podcast stuff, was Ian's Moxfield and my Moxfield. <laughs> That's good no. though. I think using Moxfield that way is is great, and I I know they say it's going to eventually be this like social media site for Magic players. Mm-hmm. It has not done that yet, but yeah. I think it it it's a great place to be able to discuss decks. So yeah, I I think Moxfield is a, a, a solid application. I've been using it for years, and um, this is not sponsored. We just like it. Yeah, uh, yeah. do it or we just like it. It's, but if you I, I, but but if you do want to sponsor, I'm not going to say no. I was a tapped tried. out guy. <laughs> Listen, I would, I'm I, on that grind set, Ian. Oh my god! You're doing this right. full time. You, I said yeah. this last time, man. You gotta get it. You gotta get in that grind set, Ian. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But it's better than tapped out. I was a tapped out guy oh for god. too long. Everyone made fun of me. Yeah, Fox feels great. You I were know. a tapped out guy way too fucking long. Uh, but. <laughs> I miss tapped out. I have decks no, you tapped don't. out that no, I never ported to Moxfield. I you, feel bad. You don't miss tapped out. You don't miss giving lists... your you, you don't miss giving your computer cancer just so you can make a deck list. Like <laughs> yeah. it's uh, but the original Incivi list is on there, and I always well, love go that. download it and then put it on Moxfield so that people. Incivi was the number one competitive EDH deck on April Fool's Day one year, and it was great. It was amazing. <laughs> That's uh. That's a great note to wrap it on. Lynn's <laughs> boys. boys. Uh, Ian, what are you going to be up yeah. to over the next couple of weeks? This is coming out on uh, this coming Monday. What are you uh, getting your, what trouble are you getting into? I, I have been traveling all of August and I will continue to be traveling the rest of August. Uh, but you can always attempt to get a coaching session with me in between those days that I am traveling, which you can hit me up on comedianmtggmail.com. Find me on Discord and Twitter. All those places are readily available and my dms are open you can also check out my youtube channel comedian mtg we are the largest tournament cdh channel on the youtubes at the current moment which is pretty cool and uh if you want to hear stuff about tournament cdh come check it out there's some tournaments coming up i have a really cool uh opportunity where i'm working with a a more local tournament group who had some really nice numbers so i'm I'm, you know buffing their numbers up a little bit and, and promoting an event down in salt lake which is pretty cool um stuff like that what what events are you gonna be at uh coming up uh coming up i have a festival of nights at the end of this month yeah. we have lotus con at the start of october vegas i'll be there for um i'm gonna try and just be around a lot we're talking about plans for columbus yeah uh, for the cdh 5k um i'm gonna try and play as much as possible i'm hoping to be able to get back in time to play chaos uh in in two weekends not this upcoming weekend, or i guess by the time this comes out it'll be this weekend yeah. uh yeah awesome well uh that uh i i don't know that i'm making festival of nights happen i might still try uh Mm -hmm. but uh because flights are hilariously cheap right now um Mm -hmm. so uh if you want to see me come out to that go ahead and go down to the patreon down below and subscribe Mm -hmm. and uh you know all of that good stuff we've talked about that enough on the the channel already in this episode but uh 
So, you know, last week I did a thing where we we left uh, the episode by reading a post from the r slash cedh oh no oh uh, no reddit okay and so it's gonna be our sign off this is this is what i want our sign off to be is um i i have this discussion it was posted 43 minutes ago best Uh control mid-range deck that isn't timna based blue farm or winota and I think this Wait, is great. Do we notice a control deck? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> listen, it's, it's, it's great. It, it, it's great given our our conversation we had today. So I'm yeah, new to yeah, CEDH, yeah. and I'm trying to uh-huh. decide on my first deck. I'd like to uh-huh. play a black based uh-huh. control deck, and I'm not sure what uh-huh. commander to play. I don't want to uh-huh. play Blue Farm or Winota or really any kind of Timna or Malcolm pile. I general prefer sacking creatures for value over attacking. I'm currently thinking about Tevish Kron or Tevish Ojutai, but I'm open to other. Wait, what? Wait, I, I think that? they I think they mean Tevish Ishai. Right? Ishai. Uh, yeah, okay. But I'm open to other suggestions. Ideally, I'd like to play something that can break parity on stacks. Okay, and have card advantage in the command zone so I can hold up interaction. Oh, and I also irrationally refuse to play Greek. I mean, play Tibbet, first of all, right? Like, that's. <laughs> With that, I'm Cal. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the top response is Tyam. I don't really understand. That doesn't make any sense to me. I, I love okay. it, but uh, this has been the Mind Sculptors. Uh, I'm Callahan. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Already broke